everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Grafters podcast. So we've got a lot lined up for you today, um, but first of all, let's have a catch up on what's been happening and reward some of our clients for their awesome work in January. Yeah, I mean, I think, so we'll mention the Powerhouse um, 2 competition as well. So Graft House have a powerlifting competition coming up on March 22nd. And that's going to be really good for beginner powerlifters, any clients that just fancy having a little dabble in it. I know we mentioned yeah. it last week, and we'll keep mentioning it until the competition comes around. Yes. Um, I th- also want to mention one of my clients had their first session this week. He was someone that I thought would be incredibly nervous in the gym, a little guy called, not a little guy, a guy, a normal a guy. guy. <laughs> just whoa, a dude. Whoa. People in glass houses, Chris. I know. And, <laughs> A man, uh, a man called Chris had his first session and it was great. Uh, in fact, just before we go on to um, your clients, have yeah. you released anything on your blog or anything this week? Ah, yes. So I recently released a blog post, five tips to kickstart your results in 2020. Um, so you can find that on my link in my bio on my Instagram page, which is reanimate underscore performance. But yeah, just some quick tips on how you can maximise your results in the gym and just get better at everyday life, really. What about you? Um, I did an article called Why is the Hack Squat Called a Hack Squat? And that's also linked up in my bio as well. Yes. Um, actually, I should probably check that. Um, my Instagram is Heavy Metal Strength Coach. Um, now, have you had any client updates this week or anyone um, particularly smashing it? No updates as such, but just generally quite pleased with everyone's efforts so far with the new year. Everyone's just sort of digging deep and sort of finding their whys and just staying true to what they actually want to achieve. So yeah. everyone, kudos, but keep on keep on pushing. What about any, any more, Pat and Chris? Or? Um, there's some guys progressing towards um, the British Powerlifting Championships yeah. and stuff, but I don't want to say too much about that just because plans may change, injuries may happen. Don't want to drop wanna, anyone in it. Yeah, don't want to yeah. drop anyone in it or put any pressure on like that. So I reckon we can introduce the guest today. Yes. So in the building today, Today we have a wizard. I can't. I, I, I can't <laughs> say it. Say I can't it. Do it. So we have a wizard, Harry Roberts, in the uh, building today. So Harry, I would like to first of all give you the opportunity to describe why I am calling you a wizard. Uh, well, you've seen my wand, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting yeah, too many times. The explosion um, rating is already happening. Uh, well, yeah, it's. A, I mean, I I work in tech. And when I was 17 years old, uh, I bought the domain name CSSWizardry.com, and it stuck from there. But it's just it's blighted me because one thing I didn't even think about Harry Wizard that didn't even cross my mind when I was registering that domain. Yeah, was it was it so, pre Potter that you registered that domain? Oh, no, yeah, it won't be. No, 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 no. It will be around, it was, be around it was, Potter we'll, anyway. We were in a post Potter world at this point. Oh, yeah. 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 It was yeah. 2007, so definitely post Potter. Yeah, I just didn't think. Yeah. What it is, is when I was sort of nerding up like uh, on web development when I was about 16, 17, finished reading a book by a guy who's since become a friend of mine called CSS Mastery. I was like, oh, that's such a good book. Obviously, CSS Mastery, I can't have that. He's got it. Yeah. So I thought CSS Wizardry. The only reason I bought it is because a little web hosting company in Lancaster had a sale on .com domains. So I could get it really cheap. I had to get my mum's credit cards. Ah. I had to buy domain. And what, 12 years later, um, still called CSS Wizardry. So, what is CSS Wizardry? 
and it's present in Carnation? Uh, well, um, like I said, I work in tech and I started out writing a language called CSS, Cascading Style Sheets, which is a really basic, very simple syntax mm. um, just for styling web pages. Every web page you've ever looked at involved some CSS. It's what makes, it's what makes Facebook look like, look like Facebook. It's what makes Amazon look like Amazon. Um, so that's where it started out, but uh, I've moved way away from that kind of sort of coding side of things and more towards web performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's my job to help clients have reliable and fast websites. Which on the face of it is like, does dishwater, right? How boring making a website fast. Uh, but for someone in tech, uh, or anyone who's involved, like, uh, loves sort of getting involved with anything forensic or I see nerdy, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So it's current guys, my job is to help clients. Usually big clients are the people who feel the benefit the most. So we're talking international sort of scale clients. Yeah. Um, helping them have faster websites, better experiences for customers. You think about things like um, how frustrating it is when you're out and about, you're trying to find open times for a restaurant. And yeah. It takes about a minute because there's a huge unoptimized image background that's blocking everything from view. And it takes ages to download on your mobile connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's solving frustrations like that. It helps the end user, it helps the customer, it helps people like us when we're sort of dilly-dallying on the web. Uh, but for big, big clients, it can have a massive impact on like their revenues. Yeah. Um, yeah. My favorite little soundbite is um, Trainline is a client of mine. Um, and by making Trainline 0.3 seconds faster, they made an extra 8.1 million pounds a year. That is insane. Um, That's crazy. So yeah. it's that kind of stuff. It's a really obscure subset of the tech industry yeah um but that's that's my current it's my thing nice so I'll, I'll go into how you started and everything in a minute but um if there's any pts that are listening out there that have their own websites is there anything that they can do um as a layman that might be able to make their website quicker or um faster or more productive for their business this is a really great question because I mean, the reason this question interests me so much is I don't normally work with individuals. I, I work for big sort of multinational conglomerates, yeah. big businesses who've got the budget for this kind of stuff. Um, independence, uh, things people like, you know, restaurants or PTs or uh, food bloggers, um, they're usually at the mercy of whichever platform they're using. So not to name any names, but certain platforms to make them easy to use, they've got to have trade-offs that well, they're not necessarily going to be the fastest. And a lot of that is obscured from the end user, the PT, the restaurant manager, whatever it is. So it's really quite difficult. And you're usually at the mercy of whoever you're using. Um, one of the big, big, big website builders is famously bad. So I've got a friend who opened a restaurant using this particular platform. And she was like, yeah, the site feels really slow. And I said, well, luckily I'm a nerd. I'll look into it for you. And it yeah. got to the point where I actually messaged the head of performance engineering at this company saying... <laughs> Uh, Chris has written it down, that's the one. <laughs> I knew it, I was thinking of that. Like um, the good news is, I had a chat with their, because I know their head of performance engineering, and I was like, look, this is this is pretty bad, this is kind of unacceptable. He's like, yeah, we're aware of it, and we're doing a bit of a rewrite, so that's getting fixed. Oh, okay. I worked with the other company, the other one that you may have heard of, uh, to make their site faster. And I'm, what I was thinking is, so Chris has written down the name, he's guessed it correctly, he's guessed the platform. Yeah, well, it might be because I have a website um, through those guys as well. <laughs> Did you try to build one? How do you got yeah. one right now? I've got one right now, it's uh, <laughs> it that particular company. It sounds like dicks. Uh, well, it sounds a lot like Twix. Oh, sorry. yeah, yeah. Oh, also yeah. Sound, but that's, um, Brian would have a field day with me. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but anyway. Um, so, so actually, to answer your question, then, sorry. Okay, I've got a really bad habit. I give very long answers to very short questions. That's fine. With um, all that. For like 
the independent, like you know, said, PT, for example, um, the simplest one thing I'd recommend is if you've got any imagery you need to upload, um, do a bit of reading about how to optimize those images first. Mm-hmm. You take, um, there's two iPhones on the table right in front of me, really high res imagery, each photograph's going to be a couple of megabytes. Uh, just straight uploading those to the site is really easy, and it's the easiest sort of, I don't know, laziest way to do it. But it does need to be an intermediary step where you might size it down to an appropriate size. So for anyone uploading any imagery, that's the simplest, easiest place to start. Yeah. Just make, make sure images are optimized. Yeah. Okay. Also, any PTs listening who don't have a blog, get one. Because single biggest thing I did for my career was start a blog. And it's called and CSS Wizardry. Yeah. yeah. Even with that name, it was still a good idea. <laughs> so, and that's exactly where where I wanted to go next. So you began a blog. How? Far into your career, um, were you when you started your blog? Uh, about minus nine months, I guess. And is that still I, is that original blog still the blog that you use now? Yeah. Um, well, so I, I rebuilt it on a different pl- well, custom build. Um, so uh, what, what, so how, how how did that blog start originally? Though? Right. Well, I mean, I'll be very candid. When I was about fifteen, I thought I was going to be the world's best graphic designer. Me and my mate were really into design and. And we'd start picking up gigs for local companies, like a flyer for this scaffolding company or um, whatever it was, this stuff. Yeah. And it was pretty terrible. Like, of course it was. We were two 15-year-old boys, right? Yeah. We're not going to be kicking ass at our age. And so it's just, we thought we were amazing to the point where I was like, my mate's called Sam. I was like, Sam, mate, we're pretty fucking good at this. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably get I'm a website. Yeah, yeah. We should probably get a website, yeah, so, so everyone knows how good we are. So I volunteered to learn code to build the website and that's when I realized that oh, I'm a really bad designer and I'm actually way better at coding. So at 15 I slowly transitioned almost back to, into development um, and then just was dabbling, got a few freelance clients, started skipping school and sixth form because I had like client meetings to go to, mm-hmm. rocking up as like a skinny little 17 year old, I used to be skinny. Um, just yeah, just the weird sort of thing but then with all the arrogance of a 17 year old white boy I was like, oh, I need to get a blog now because I need to tell everyone how good I am at coding. It's not the design anymore. Yeah. So I registered a blog and, well, I registered a domain, sorry, built a blog. And it was just, like I said, just that completely naive arrogance that could only come from a 17 year old boy who's just had his entire life until he's like, oh, you. you Are know, those 15 year old boy blog articles still live? That's a different question. <laughs> <laughs> So that's when I was 17, I was like, oh, I'm going to start blogging. I said, okay, 17 or um, 15, okay, so it took a... But I've, I've got, I've got no shame in admitting that a lot of my career is just good fortune and really good timing. Okay. Um, I started getting into development as the industry was changing, so anyone who got into development, uh, okay. even a year before me, will have immediately had to start unlearning loads of bad old practices, so I hit a sweet spot where it's like, I'm learning the new standardized way of building websites, because it's all standardized now, yeah. it didn't used to be. So I never had to unlearn anything. I was just right on the correct footing um, at the exact right time when I could start writing about this. So I could learn this new standardized way of doing stuff. Yeah. Regurgitate it in a blog where, hey, look, I've been reading the technical specs and I've deciphered it into this is how it actually works and here's a working demo. Uh, so that's what I sort of started doing. And people picked that up. And it, it was just, it was useful information, but the timing was just perfect. Would I be right in saying that you were part of that standardization um, of web design and, and how you would go about 
making websites faster and how you would put websites together? A little, but there's, so there's, there's different parts of the standards process, I won't bore okay. you with it. There's an official standards body that says that if we build all websites roughly this way, it means that Chrome knows how to build their browser. It means yeah. that Safari knows how to build their browser to make it work. Mm. Uh, it means that people with disabilities or you know, people, so if you're blind, you can't look at a website, so you'll have a bit of software that reads it to you. By standardizing how the websites are all built, it means that people with assistive technologies can like listen to the website properly. Or uh-huh. anyone who's got um, different vision issues, such as like contrast issues. Um, yeah, it's just really, really fascinating. That's the official stuff. The stuff I did was not unofficial, which is like, we're all kind of, <clears throat> the stuff I'm working on is more trying to help developers work in a standardized way. So yeah. it's, it's separate. There's an official actual standards body, the World Wide Web Consulting, uh, very dry, uh, very kind of dull. My work is more like on the developer facing stuff. So it's like, hey, look, this is how you do it technically. But actually, as a company, you should do it this way so that it's just easier for you. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like, I mean, I could have got involved in the standards process, but it's very bureaucratic and boring, and it's just like... Okay. Yeah. Loads of crusty old people, which is not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I hope I'm, I've got pals on that board. Except except my pals, they're all the cool ones. They're, yeah, they're the great ones. Yeah. In um, but it's, it's, it's pretty dry, so that's not really why I work. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting, then, when you mentioned earlier how you were, like, skipping six form and everything and then, like, putting your energy into building CSS Wizardry, um, did you actually find that building this career for yourself, was it was it mainly from learning things via education or just from pure practice and putting things out there? Um, for my work, it's all about practice. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, it, ch- it changes ridiculously quickly. I'm talking, it's an industry that t- changes weekly. Yeah. Uh, so it's stressful. It is stressful because I'm self-employed as well, so I really need to just keep yeah. on top of everything. Um, so even with the best of intention, no university can write a truly effective tech or web development course. Yeah. By the time they've even written the first draft of the curriculum, it's out of date. That's, yes. that's really interesting. Did, did you go to university yourself, or did you, were you literally drop out of Sixth Farm and make this thing happen? Um, so it's 2007, 2008 is when I should have been going to uni. I didn't go to uni. Uh, my, I love this. This is like a self-made uh, right here. Well, it was funny. My <laughs> mum and dad just even in two thousand seven were like, "Yeah, this isn't that thing. It's probably not going to catch on." You know, they just were a bit wary of it. Um, they'd been calling to meetings because I've not been going to sick form. Sick form is optional though, right? So it wasn't really. It was at the time. Really it trouble. was at the time. Apparently, it's not. Oh, all okay. right. Okay. Is it compulsory? Education into like Please correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, so yeah, my dad, like, I, my dad never went to uni, I was the, I'm the first born, my dad was like, I really want you to get an education, I was like, I don't think I need one, like, what I'm doing, I've learned it already. So he was very pragmatic, like, really respected for this, he was like, look, do me a favour, apply for three unis and three jobs, and at least I know you've given equal, sort of, chance to all of it. That's a great yeah. strategy. Yeah, yeah, like, smart man, like, we didn't really get on at that age, um, but he's a very smart guy, so he said that, and he stuck to his word, I went to university interviews, and I was like, eh. Already, I'm looking at stuff. It's like this—that the final year project that they were showing. Like, oh yeah, I wish you just built this. I was looking at it thinking, well, it's already really out of date. That's antiquated. Yeah. And again, it's not the university's fault. It's not a diss. It's just—it's just a moving target. Yeah. So, um, again, with all that arrogance of a seventeen-year-old white boy, I just emailed <laughs> the best web design company in the UK, saying I want to work for you. Yeah. And that was only in Leeds, so I grew up in Bradford. And 
So I made that made that journey. Yeah. On the bus. How long has journey? The, the two five four took me into the big, mysterious big city of Leeds. I went wait with you and I was sat there sweating profusely. And um, judging by your training sessions, that's not really <laughs> not unusual, <laughs> is it? That, that's usual, isn't it? Really. Cheers, Chris. No worries, man. Anyway, um, get to help. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, by the way. Um, so yeah, at the uh, they the job at the interview. Um, I couldn't believe it, and it was really good. They didn't set me on as a junior. They didn't make me an apprentice. I was on like, 2008, 18 years old, I was on 20 grand, just starting salary as a web developer. Um, Jesus. Well yeah, I went back and told my family and they were like, oh, okay, to be fair, you have done it, it's fine. Yeah. Goodbye. So I moved to Leeds. But this is where I'm gonna get really braggadocious. I um I interviewed at Newcastle Union, they offered me a placement and I yeah, respectfully wrote back to him, really wrote, wrote back. I think it, I think it was a letter actually. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. really really grateful. Back in day. You know it means <laughs> <laughs> when it's ink. Um, <laughs> So I was like, really grateful for the you know, uh, offer of a place, but um, I decided to go straight to the industry, got a job, blah, blah, blah. All very, like, you know, very amicable. And a few weeks later, maybe a couple of months later, I started noticing traffic coming to my blog from the Newcastle Uni domain. And using the analytics, I could, like, track all the page trail back. It turns out the course that I originally applied for listed my site as recommended reading for that course. That is amazing. And I was like... And I was like <laughs> I was like, Jesus, imagine paying nine grand a year to read reading your own material. And then I did I wonder if they would have included it as the recommended reading if you were on the course. Um well probably. Yeah. There's no reason why they wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, and they push it with like this is one of our students and he's they'd pull like blow smoke up their ass going, look what we've developed here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I did again like just a bit of a, a dick move because I was young and naive and just a bit of a dick. I wrote a bit of code that said, if this visitor has come to your my site from the Newcastle site, put this on the message. And I can't remember exactly what the message said, but it was along the lines of, huh, I was never going to course that you're obviously studying. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, That's amazing. Uh, that, isn't that, isn't that gross? How gross is that? So yeah. That's that was, cool. Yeah. I think like what speaks huge volumes of your career there is that I don't think it's you being a dick or being arrogant. I think it's just that you know, you're confident in your ability to do something, you take action straight away rather than mm -hmm. waiting. So I think that's really cool to sort of hear your story and how it's built and it's obviously just snowballed from there into CSS wizardry today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, there's a lot of stuff in my career that kind of does speak. I mean, I, I know what I'm doing, right? I've got the yeah. technical knowledge. Honestly, there's people out there, I don't know, I'm just very, very fortunate. I've got a lot of privilege on my side, a lot of good fortune. There's just so many, so many things that have definitely for me. Like, I'm... Whiter than white, just like low middle class upbringing. I just walk through life with a million second chances. If if I was a woman in tech, it would have been a completely different story. Yeah. If that if that CV had landed instead of being Harry Roberts, it was an Indian name, would I have even got the same interview? You know what I mean? Ah, like, okay. So much stuff. Where yeah. Is is that still? I know this is um, a segue away from where we were before, but is that still a big issue today? Um, with it, with um, stigmas in IT of gender, women, Indian, whatever. Massively, and it's a really can I get a bit boring? No, you yeah. can't. No, this is not. This is amazing. Um, the first programming language was invented by a woman called Grace Hopper in the fifties, and she said to her boss, "Look, who is a dude? I think we could create a fully automated electronic programming language, which is exactly what we use today. Electronic programming. Before that, it was all punch cards and it was mechanical." 
And the boss was like, oh, Grace. <laughs> Get back in <laughs> the kitchen. Yeah. Well, that's not, that's not, that's never going to work. And instead of her being like, okay, well, she's like, nah, I'm sure it can. So four years it took her in a reception. She built the first time a programming language. And then what ended up happening is um, it was immediately made a feminine job. Oh, it's typing. It's just basically just typing. It's secretarial. The real work, the man's work, is the hardware. Uh, so men would make computer chips. They'd make computers. And women would be left to do that. Oh, it's secretarial. It's just typing. And all of a sudden, software became a valuable industry. And it's like, oh, shit, actually, there's a lot of money to be made because software's for free. You turn keystrokes into code. It's free to make a computer. You need parts. So when they realized it was quite profitable, Women just got angsted. It was like, yeah, well, I don't know, it's, this is a man's work now. Um, and they, the hangover of that is really apparent. Like, um, there's a lot of good initiatives to try and bolster women in tech, to try and yeah. come in. It's a male-oriented field, right? And you've got to be pretty gutsy to look at a room full of nerdy, usually middle-class white blokes. Absolutely. And say, I'm going to have a full-time job there. It's yeah. not a very welcoming environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a huge problem. I think the problem differs culturally as well. I think there's a lot of cultural stuff tied to it. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to upset a few people, but sexism is far more rife in the US in general, especially okay. in tech. I think Europe, we've got a much more, certainly not perfect, but we've got a much more balanced view of like, you know, well, sexism or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's still a huge problem. Okay. Which I mean, really interesting. Really, I could yeah. probably do an episode just told about that. Sure. Yeah, because I'm going to say that a lot, a lot of that sounds similar to the, the fitness industry, not in terms of it, it's a very male-dominant industry, especially in terms of leaders, but because of the stigmas related to females and training, which we're going to cover from that thesis. Yes, um, absolutely. Read. Um, which um, I need yeah. to message him about getting on there, actually. Um, so, to go back to where, so you were blogging, um, you were leaving cheeky remarks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the recommended reading there yeah. what, what a website from that, that yeah, I, love I, I that. absolutely love that so from there uh, so now you you have a, a career of public speaking as well um, mm-hmm. how did you transition from blogging to your first public speaking appearance uh, it wasn't much of a transition it was a bit of a dinner at the deep end um, <clears throat> excuse me conference in Poland um, called Front Trends um, they emailed me late 2011 when I would have been 21, I guess. Like, hey, we've written a blog for a long time. Do you want to come and speak at our conference? And my first thought was, obviously not. <laughs> who, wants, who, wants to get, who wants to do it at all? That's terrifying. Um, I, I sat on it for a week and weirdly went to my mum for advice, which is not, she's a legend, but it's not the kind of, nowadays it's not, I wouldn't go to her for career advice because yeah. it's so depart. She's like a successful nurse and I'm completely different things. But she's like, do it, you idiot. Like, it's an opportunity right there. Do it. If you shit at it, don't do it again. If it goes badly, at least you know you didn't like it. Like, just at least do it. Um, That was mad stress. I was like, just couldn't sleep, couldn't eat for days before it. Um, Flew out to Poland, uh, 470 people in the audience. I gave my first talk. Well, I don't really remember it. Um, I remember pacing around, trying trying to force myself to look at the crowd, but then being like, oh, God. Um, So, yeah, there was no... Deliberate, um, no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. It was not something I wanted to do. And here again, where timing and good fortune is on my side, this is back in the day when there were fewer conferences and fewer people wanting to speak. Um, so you get invited to things, and I've spoken at well over 100 events. I get invited because people have realized it's quite a useful thing for their career, and they're far more developers now than they were in 2011. People have to apply to conferences. So 
If you were a development now who wanted to get into speaking, you'd have to submit a proposal for a conference, you were alongside 200 other people, hopefully you get picked. When I got into speaking, there was none of that. Yeah. And because I'm now well-known and done a lot of speaking, and like I'll shift tickets, right? If I'm on a lineup, they'll know it'll sell. Um, I don't have to apply to events. As I say, you, you still get invited. I yeah. don't, no, no, no. So like, it's, again, just mad how good fortune has played into yeah. that. If, yeah. I, if I want or wouldn't want to get into speaking in tech now, it's difficult. I've got friends who are far smarter than me who get rejected from conferences all the time. Or not rejected, rather, they didn't get picked. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, ah, okay. I have friends like, oh yeah, have you applied for many conferences this year? I was like, no, I'll do that shit. They come to me. So, um, after how many talks did you realise that actually I could be pretty good at this and I can basically fund a lot of my career from this stuff? Oh, well, it doesn't fund my career. I don't don't earn any money speaking. Okay. So, what's Let's go into that. So, people that are thinking, um, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to earn loads of money as a public speaker. By what you're saying, it's not really the case. So, um... The bulk of my income comes from consultancy work, client yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, so with the with the speaking, it took me a long time to get used to it. Now it's second nature, and I quite yeah. almost I almost enjoy being on stage, which is, I'm sure there's some like psychopathic tendencies there. Right? No one should enjoy being on stage. I've got to a point. Where, <laughs> I actually kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of a psycho look in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling um, pretty intimate right now. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the, the, the financial side of it is pretty interesting because there are so many conferences. I mean, there are, I run a conference, right? They're 10 a penny. And so many people wanting to speak. There's no market to really pay. And also, here's the thing. There are conferences where I can get paid very lucratively. We're talking yeah. a 45-minute talk. We're talking like thousands. Yeah. But they're all just full of suits and dickheads and people I don't want to be around. I really enjoy community events. Yeah. Uh, so like the complete opposite end of the spectrum done a lot of work in uh, Balkan regions, so a lot of work in Serbia. Yeah. Um, going to like tiny meetups, like 30 people in the room. Because I'll just wave my feet. Like, if you're going to f- pay for my flights and hotels and show me a good time in niche in Serbia, then yeah, that'll yeah. Be it. So that's, um, for me, it's like a, my marketing spend, so it's the kind of thing that gets me on stage in front of people. Yeah. Because I get a lot of business out of it. People are like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. We need that, so we'll get him to actually do some work for us. Yeah. But mainly, it's just... Um, my, my rules are basically, you've got to pay for my flights, you've got to pay for my hotel, and that's it. Yeah. Um, for example, because I've got a lot of panels where, like, um, if they're not paying me, I'm not doing it. It's like, they're prerogative, that's fine. Um, there's only me in my household, I don't have anyone depending on me, so I can choose to not earn money. Yeah. But there's mad things, like, I went to Buenos Aires last year, oh no, 2018, for five days, because they were like, hey look, will you come and give us a talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, pay for my flights and hotel. We'll put you a, it's a long way to go, so I'll put you up for five nights. Well, business class flights to Buenos Aires for five Ooh. days in exchange for a 45-minute talk. 45 yeah. minutes of my time. Didn't have, to write, didn't have to write a new talk. It's yeah. a talk I already delivered. You shouldn't have to say no to that. Yeah. Really. So yeah. I don't do the speaking for the cash of it for... Yeah. For the lulls. Yeah. No, it's just, and no, for it's the just... travel, for the experience, yeah. for everything like that. Now, when you first started, um, I mean, maybe even now, were you selective with the talks that you agreed to do? Or was it more of a case of, I'll just do whoever um, is asking me to speak and then I'll just see when the next gig is? Um, it has always been the latter. Yeah. Um, I'm very excitable. I'm sure we'll say no to things. 
Um, so I'll get invited to basically anything. I don't think I've ever declined a conference. Yeah. yeah. I honestly don't think I have. And then do yeah. you think that has benefited your career? Then basically what I'm going at is um, I want to tell any personal trainers out there that if they get an opportunity like this to, to say yes, yeah, to, to do it. the speaking. I think anyone, personal trainer or otherwise, if you're pre- presenting an opportunity, it's a bit... <sighs> It wanky on me, but I feel like you're almost obliged to take it. Yeah. Because a lot of people won't be given the opportunity. Yeah. So it shouldn't really go to waste. I mean, what you could do is like, oh, I'm not really feeling it, but my pal might know. It's a good way of being like an ally as well, right? So what I'll do is I'll notice, yeah, this, this is a conference of eight, eight guys that are just like me. You can be like, oh, look, I'm going to bow out, but go and approach my mate, you know, so it's like a person of colour or a woman or whatever, which sounds like almost like quotas. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're like one, take the opportunity. If you don't want to take it, at least pass it on to somebody who could really make use of it. And yeah. Because I don't need the opportunities anymore, I'm just doing it for, for me at this point. Yeah. That's probably a kind of a useful way of doing things. But Have you got that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to ask actually, um, kind of on a sidetrack, what's your most embarrassing moment or experience from public speaking? First one is like kind of bad, bad. Uh, I had a blackout on stage, I completely passed out, lost consciousness. Uh, it was a really stressful day. I just, I just quit. I'm sorry, it's got a visual. <laughs> Still face planting. Uh, it, right, so it was. He's a tall guy as well, so he's gonna hit the ground. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in the back row. Um, <laughs> it was just a mad stressful day. I, I just quit my job, uh, like full time job. The last full time job I had, I quit it with no real plan. I was like, ah, fuck it, let's really do my own thing. Hot foot it across to an event to give a talk. And then a few slides in, I was like starting to feel a bit lightheaded and a bit like, weird. And I sort of, I remember just sprinting through the slides way too fast. I couldn't focus. Then my vision started kind of disappearing from the bottom up. And then I was like, I just said, I felt, I think I'm going to pass out. And the audience laughed for some reason because I thought I was taking a piss. I don't know why, I don't know what the joke angle was for them. But <laughs> I was like, no, really. I'm just, and the next thing I, I, I kind of woke up, I'd fallen into the front row and they'd sort of put me. What was really annoying is obviously it sat like a, a common store, right? Everyone's facing the front, every chair's facing the front, but they were, they weren't, it wasn't like a cinema where the seats are fixed in it, it's like rows and rows of movable little chairs. What they've done is they, for some reason, not put me in one of the chairs facing the now empty stage. They turned it round so I was still facing fucking everyone. So I'm there slumped, unconscious, and I come back round, I'm just drenched, cold sweats, like I'm freezing but sweating. There's like hundreds of pairs of eyes just on me, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> <laughs> I like, you, you passed out? Are you alright? I was like, who are you? Like, I'm the guy running the event. I was like, I don't know where I am. This is weird. That was my, that was my like... Was that, was that in the UK? Was that in yeah, yeah, the yeah. Um, yeah, it was in, it was in Liverpool. And so. did you have to go to hospital or, or anything like that? Or did you carry on your talk? <laughs> I didn't carry on my talk. Uh, I Still went, got a standing ovation, I reckon. I went, yeah, yeah. I went <laughs> to passing out. I didn't go to hospital. I went to KFC. <laughs> I needed because I hadn't eaten all day and I, had, I needed some oh, okay, so I needed so basically my mate was like look what is the nearest thing that can get you something sugary and something to eat and it just happened to be the nearest thing that was open it was an evening event it was a KFC and then he was like I want to go back and see the talk I'll, are you alright so I was like fine mate bye and that, was, that was like bad oh. bad the most embarrassing thing oh, this is really bad <laughs> I um, was speaking at a conference in New Orleans, and New Orleans is, well, it's like the spiritual home of cocktails. I'm big into sort of uh, classic yeah, cocktails. A bit, actually, yeah. Um, so I got invited to speak at New Orleans at a CSS conf, so it's like two of my favourite things, cocktails and, and, and like CSS. Yeah. So I was like 100% Well, you're definitely. a wizard after all. 
Exactly right. <laughs> um, so um, I knew I was going to get boozy. I knew it was going to happen. So um, in America, they've got this stuff called Pediolite. We, we call it Dialolite over here. Oh, yeah. Just rehydration salt. It's for kids, right? And um, I know that Americans take this for hangover. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some. So when I've got a hangover, and I made a joke about it. So what I did is I got on stage in front of about 400, 500 people, maybe even more. It was a big event. And um, I'm like, oh, yeah, so as soon as I got an email saying CSS Conf in New Orleans, I was like, two of my favorite things, blah, 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 telling the old story. And I was like, um, I was like to be honest, I'm, I'm rocking a bit of a hangover this morning. And, else, and, and I've, I've heard that you folk drink this stuff. And I held a little sachet of this Pediolite and a bottle of water. And everyone's giggling, like, oh, yeah, he's heard about what Americans drink hangovers. I was like, anyone else walking a bit of a hangover this morning? And the guy in the front row puts his hand up. I went, geez, sunglasses on indoors, you're really feeling it, aren't you? <gasps> sunglasses. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> it gets better by full estimate who you are in the story. And I had to go through with my, because I was a bit hungover, I was a bit, I wasn't thinking straight. But what I should do is like, I bought, just move on. My whole plan was to whoever, whoever puts hand up was going to go and give them it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I've got to commit. So I jumped yeah, off stage. Sure I, <laughs> I went off stage and walked up to him, fully mortified about what I've just said. Not to him, to hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. And I handed him it, and of course he can't see oh. it. So I had to sort of like okay. awkwardly like, ah, oh, he's grabbing my hand now. I had some place in his hand, tapped him oh, a couple times. And, uh, just did, it, did he take it in good humour? Or was he mortified himself? He ran away and didn't want to find out, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I never looked back to find out. I just did my talk. Uh, yeah. Pretended that person didn't exist and just, oh, God. So that's, that's pretty bad, right? Yeah. Oh. So, but you survived that. I'll go on his part of another. Oh. And then, do, you want to, do you want to tell this one? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is gold. You heard it here first, ladies and gents. On our first date last year, I told this story, and she was laughing, it was funny, whatever. And a few hours later in the night, gone to subject of family, and I was like, oh, so, so what, was your, what did your dad do then? And she was like, oh, he, he, he doesn't. I was like, oh, okay, all right. And she was like, he's blind. <laughs> did you enjoy my story earlier? <laughs> oh. did you, did you get was there a second date? Yeah. yeah, was there a second date? No. No. Oh, shit. She hasn't got a sense of humour. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, your public speaking career survived that. Yes. So, how many public speaking events have you done now? Do you know? Uh, I do know because I've got more listed on my site and I've totaled them up. And it's just over 100 now. Like 100 public nice. events. So, 102, 3 on stage public events. Yeah. Um, um, internal stuff for, like clients, I don't count. But yeah, yeah. yeah well, over a hundred now, which is good and Yeah, so good amounts happened under your belt. Have you had any mentors in the process of you sort of building public speaking and CSS consultancy and stuff, or have you pretty much just gone off your own back and? Um, yeah, no mentors at all for anything. Um, which I think I probably shouldn't have done it that way because, again, just a lot of arrogance slash naivety. Ah, oh, you know, I can do this. And a lot of my early careers are based on inventing stuff that didn't exist before. Yeah. Um, and with inventing stuff, there's no one really to mentor you. You're coming up with the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a mate called Tim Cadlack, a really, really close friend of mine, and he's just an absolutely one of the best public speakers I've ever seen. Far better than me. Done far less talks than me as well. Far fewer talks than me. And it turns out um, he's like, yeah, I've got public speaking classes. 
So it's like, oh man, I should have done that. that yeah. Um, because the way he speaks, there's no umming or erring. It's like he's almost like storytelling. Ah. Okay. Um, like I'm pretty good on stage, but I'm very casual, very chatty. Whereas he kind of engages you the whole like just storytelling kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so stuff like that I think maybe I should have done, but probably a bit too far in there. I have yeah. too much, too many bad habits to unlearn, perhaps. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But a mentor, I think, would have been a good thing. Yeah. What I want to do is do some mentoring. I'd love to do that because I've got twelve, well, eleven full-time professional years of experience in the belt there. Yeah. Um. You know, with a decade of experience in any industry, you've got it. You've got some tidbits you could pass on. Yeah. But um, just taking on mentees is just a bit daunting. Yeah. I'm not, maybe I've been a mentor to mentor me how to be a mentor. Yeah. But that's something that fascinates me. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. Now you um, dropped in that you have your own conference. Um, oh yeah, an yeah. Event that you run. Would you like to say anything about that? And that's on my story. No, yeah, so would, yeah. like, would you like to say anything about it? <laughs> well, I'll let you do the details first, yeah. and then I'll fill in my role. <laughs> yeah, um, really good mate of mine, uh, Josh Nesbitt, runs a like an evening event um, for like for tech people, and he runs it really. It's very slick, very very kind of professional. Like really, it costs him a fortune. He runs it for free, but it's done wonders for his sort of personal brand, um, and it's good enough that um, a body called Leeds Bid that runs Leeds International Festival uh, pinged, oh, yes. him, uh, pinged him and said, look, your, com- your, your evening conference is an absolute banger. Like, can we, is there any way we can make it to a full day thing? So he brought me in as the kind of, he's got the knowledge on running events. I've got the knowledge on being a speaker at events. So yeah, it's just a one day, once a year, one day tech conference in the center of Leeds. And it's basically just a bit of a nerdy day out. But yeah. um, me and Josh are, we love hosting. Like we love to look after people and, so what we actually do is we run a conference, but it's really just an excuse to get pals together and go for like drinks, have a banging meals, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, I'm presuming going to pass over to you in a second, Chris, because we had you on stage. Yes. Oh, so yeah, tell us about in that. 2018. Um, so I work with uh, a great friend of mine called Ryan Townsend, who Harry also is, is very close with mm-hmm. and has worked with, and also. Uh, and Ryan did um, a light. Did he do a lightning talk? He did. Well, so, I mean, it was meant to be a lightning talk. He went over by about twenty minutes. So Ryan went over. <laughs> so he had a ten minute talk, and yeah, so I ended up talking for um, half an hour. Um, Ryan did that. Had an amazing experience with it. He nailed it as well. He's a, he, he he a natural. That was his first yeah. ever appearance. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure if there was a conversation between you and Ryan about the possibility of me doing it, or whether you were looking for lightning speakers at the time. Um, but essentially, I was passed the opportunity to do a 10-minute lightning talk, and I'm a personal trainer with absolutely zero experience in tech. I don't know the difference between coding and graphic design. Um, I wouldn't know how it's to make it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I wanted to do in this talk was think about how I could cross industries and somehow make a difference in a industry that I knew nothing about. So I had to think about what I knew about and some of the deficits that might be in um, tech. So people that are overly stressed, like I I train a lot of people in tech. Lots of them are overly stressed. Um, Lots of them are really overworked. Um, Lots of them, because of that, will have bad eating habits. They'll have next to no muscle mass and they'll be a lot of the time, like terrified to come into the gym. So I thought I'd go in there, talk about like the benefits of having a personal trainer, but it, you know, it's a 10 minute talk and that's, that sounds like an incredibly boring thing. Like, oh, how can exercise benefit you? Yeah. Oh, um, your talk was so good. But I, it's like, thank you. 
And <laughs> I, I, so what I wanted to do was just try and relate to the audience the, the best I could. And, and, and you know what, like people like yourself have said that I did a good job of that. So what I would say is if you ever have the opportunity to do something like that, just try and grab yeah. it with both hands. Yeah, yeah. And like Harry said as well, if you have the opportunity and you have to say no, find someone else in your stead that can do it as well because that's going to mean that you still have a good reputation with that person. You're not going to burn any bridges. You're not going to leave them in the lurch. Yeah, yeah. So don't just say no. Make sure you prepare your no with um, a lot of um, of help. Yeah, yeah. Definitely make sure you've got a link to your talk in the show. I re-watched it a few months ago. And it's like so thoroughly researched. Like the lengths you went to. Have you seen? I've not. No, I'm gonna say it's it. Send it to me because it's... I'm gonna watch it. Louis getting embarrassed. Well, it was great because you were funny. You had technical issues on stage. I don't know if you remember. I do. Yeah. Flickering. Yeah. You handle that like an absolute pro. And then um, just like the level of research you went to. I don't think anyone was expecting that because it starts with, "Hey, you're all a bunch of nerds. And I'm a personal trainer." And I think yeah. a lot of people must have been like, "Well, this is not for me then." But no, it was really? so well tied into the tech entry. Like, the research you'd gone to. The actual facts and figures you were able to present. And Ryan, Ryan was a big, big help with that. We yeah. used um, Stack Overflow. Yeah, I developed um, a survey. The, yeah, which yeah. was which was really really oh. useful. So without Ryan's assistance, that that talk would have would have been nothing. And to be fair, like he helped me design um, all the slides as well. Like I did the basic information, and then he made it look good for yeah. the cinema screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sat in a, in a coffee shop for um, a number of hours that oh, morning. Very millennial of Yeah, oh. we uh, we practiced there and. It, this incredible thing and one of the things that made it um nice on stage was the uh, the mc phil oh phil hawksworth what, phil hawksworth. what an absolute legend so he could <laughs> like at the speakers dinner the day before like he could see i was nervous he what but he took time for me he took time for me just before i went on stage and everything but when i went on stage he actually got my name wrong uh, oh yeah, no, he did call you Nick or something. He called me oh, Gavin or Nick or something. Oh yeah, Nick. You like the Gavin? You like the Gavin? <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. But I went on there and that gave me something that I could just instantly just relax just and talk about. Room, and yeah. you know what? It showed me that even a fantastic MC makes like little mistakes. So if I go on there and I make it's quite a big mistake, mistake to be yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like, and, and in watching that, you see like. This, they might say like the odd word wrong and so and then but like the audience is still like absolutely lapping it up so you don't even need to be perfect when you're up there in order to deliver a fantastic talk it's yeah. um a lot of, a lot of first-time speakers do ask me for advice and my thing is like if you're going to be nervous nothing's going to change that yeah. oh don't think about it oh right i didn't consider that yeah i should just not be nervous i don't think i slept for a week before um that talk but it was worth every second yeah, yeah. but there were certain things like almost over prepare just make sure you can give you a, make sure you can give a strong intro with your eyes closed because once you've got the intro out, you will start to relax. Yeah. Naturally. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing to remember is that by and large, everyone in the audience is on your side. Yeah. So unless they're an absolute nasty piece of work, nobody in the audience wants to see you do a bad job. Or if you are struggling, they're not going to they're not going to perceive it as a bad job. They're not going to go, oh, well, you know, that guy was shit. And they're like, oh, you know, he was his first ever talk. Of course, it's good. They had the courage to get on stage. I was in the audience. They've already won up on me. So yeah, think, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Something that I was very glad about was um, Ryan went up on the balcony and he was with a, what I didn't know all his company um, oh. were all there and I'd trained like half of them. Some of his close friends were there as well. So if I'd have seen those, I'm not sure exactly. What, but I remember feeling like Ryan was this like uh, father figure looking at <laughs> oh. that I didn't want to let down. And yeah. I, don't even, a brief, I don't even know if I'd really spoken to you before the actual talk. I think we, we spoke very briefly. briefly. Um, at the speakers dinner, but I'm not sure if I'd even met you properly before that. Um, we met once at Ryan's thirtieth on the roof. That's the yes. first time we ever met, and that was yeah. that was like shit in the night. Then, but yeah, I don't think we we didn't know each other particularly well at all by by that point. Yeah, and I remember yeah. thinking I want to impress Harry because he does lots of public speaking events, so if I can make an impact. On you, him, yeah, and um, then I might be able to do this public speaking thing a little bit more. And to be honest, like I'm really excited about any future public speaking yeah, things yeah. that I do. Have you done any public speaking, Rihanna, or would it be something that you um, would ever look at? I wouldn't. I would say public speaking, but you when you mentioned it earlier, actually, how you sort of enjoyed, um, you know, being on stage. In my old job, I basically used to. Um, do like a, a presentation for the whole department of the values of the company and stuff and I always used to love that part the most mm-hmm. um, and public speaking is something that I have thought about doing but it's just you know figuring out where to do it and when really but yeah, yeah. Um, interesting what I was going to ask actually <coughs> from the stigma linking from people in IT to um, fitness and the, the whole like they don't move enough the stress is really high but you notice we've been in the industry there's like a, a shit ton of people that just don't move enough or I think yeah a lot of the stereotypes about developers do ring true and obviously stereotypes aren't nice things but I see it day and day you've yeah. got, you got developers who um, yeah, think monster energy is a suitable breakfast replacement or happily they'll go and just eat junk food at their desks yeah I had a very very non-technological upbringing, so my thing has always been, I almost resent that I became a developer in some ways, because it's yeah. just sedentary. Oh, okay. It's very sedentary. But yeah, for a lot of people, it's just a struggle. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends, again, well, also it depends what environment you're in, because it can, you can pull long hours. I, I don't, I'm fortunate now that I manage my own time. Yeah. But it's one of those industries where, yeah, um, you sat down for six to eight hours a day, that's literally bad for you. Um, yeah. Without even adding junk food into the mix or, excuse me, lack of extracurricular exercise. Yeah. I mean, a lot of developers have the same kind of thing as me, where they just go complete flip side and they'll do mountain biking or they'll do rock climbing because they're very aware of that need for contrast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something to get you away from the screen as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, they're not good for you. Yeah. Um, well, I, mean, I, I remember the, to... some of the stacks, for, sorry to interrupt you, there's oh, the right. stack overflow. And um, stats were saying that like a lot of some some programmers will spend like twelve hours yeah. in front of the screen. Well, well my best friend he's um is a data analyst and he's try he's basically learning how to code and program and everything and literally he will be at his desk all day analyzing data and he'll go home because he loves it so much, he enjoys coding, he'll he's got a dual screen and he will sit there all night mm-hmm. and he will literally just have a look at all this data and just continue something. Just, it's like, oh, my sleep's been quite bad, or it's Mars got better. I'm like, dude, I'm like, that no, screen exposure is not good. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, it comes with time because I think as one matures in whatever job they're doing, you do realise the importance of like stepping back a bit. Yeah. So, like, part of the reason why I sort of got my name out there when I was younger is that I was just, I loved it. I was just like, okay, I'll do a full day work and I'll do some 
research on evening, I'll write a blog post about it. Yeah. And it's not unhealthy, but it's just that nowadays I've realised that, uh, you know what, I'd rather go home and cook, or I'd rather yeah, go, home, yeah. go out for a bike ride, or come to the gym, or whatever. Yeah, it's just, you will naturally, I think one will naturally find a balance. Some people yeah. don't, um, yeah. and so those people are hard to kind of break habits with. Yeah. I walked into a developer office recently to find at least 50% of them eating either McDonald's or KFC oh, while God. sat at their screens. And it's like, right, if you're going to sit screen all day, maybe don't no. have a KFC yeah. lunch. I'm going to say, yeah. well, what's what's the impact of, because you, like you said before, that you've had a very different <coughs> upbringing and then you, you kind of grew to resent the sort of stigma of developers and everything. How's your impact from training with Chris sort of helps you in your lifestyle with, you know, being sat down and doing... Yeah. No, 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 no. Listen, yeah. well, this is the thing, right? And Chris obviously knows this. Um, I'm going to cover my head just to <laughs> say, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is terrible. Uh, so my problem is, when I'm travelling, I'm travelling months. Remember, like, conferences last year, I wasn't around for weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people where I, I probably shouldn't work for myself. I'm not very good at accountability. Yeah. So me, like Chris, has got these workouts that I should, for me that I should be doing in hotel rooms. Oh, I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're having to work on more ways of being accountable. Out there. I mean, yeah. Just trending over Skype. Um, but for, for me, for me, I'm not. I don't know. I'm never going to be ripped or you know winning medals or anything. Um, but it's just I've never been into a gym ever before yeah. June last year. Um, when I first started with Chris, what's actually mad is it's just like a therapist. That's the best part for me. Yeah, Chris yeah. knows more about me than I do. Yeah, I've that so many times. Like, like clients always say that to me, like they, they feel like I'm their therapist, and it's really interesting because it, it you, you sort of are, you do get to know them. Mm-hmm. But so you spend far more time with a client than. Um, they would with a doctor, yeah. with a therapist normally. Like you'd normally wouldn't go see a therapist four times a week. No. Mm-hmm. For an hour no. each time and lift weights and see them where they pull a gurn in first, when they're doing the heaviest deadlift they've ever done or not yeah. the curls like today. Uh, and it, it's one of those things where with Harry, I was really concerned that because, I'm going to use an awful phrase, I see him as an industry leader, an entrepreneur, someone that's done lots of public speaking events, I thought that if he goes into somewhere and doesn't feel confident yeah. and at ease, then this just isn't going to work. So we sat down and we spoke about it, and I wanted it, the gym to become a, a safe place where he yeah. could show his mastery. And now we'll find movements that he can do well, like a deadlift. And, mm. and then I can start to put in things where he might struggle, like with bench press, for example. But if I'd have put that in at the beginning, he would have. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if that was the first episode. Everyone wants to train chess. Yes. So I looked at his body, we realised he probably be very good at deadlifts. Yeah. He would be very good at deadlifts, and and there was various injuries that we need to consider as well. But if there's any PTs listening, um, and you're dealing with someone like Harry, um, then consider they're very good at what they do, and they need to be at least feel like they're very good at doing what they're doing in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree? Like, yeah, big time. Um, well, I've never had any PT experience otherwise, so I don't know if I just struck gold with you, but it's just the, the on-ramp was so smooth that I never felt like um, incapable or like I wasn't... I mean, obviously I knew I was going to be strong first day ever at a gym, right? I'm not yeah. meant to be. 
but I never felt like embarrassed by anything. I don't know, it's good. And it means that yeah, you've got this on ramp where you're not you're not set up for failure. There's no way yeah. I could have failed so my I'm first few times. Yeah. 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 So yeah, love, love that. Love but yeah, that. um my favourite thing is the therapy aspect. I love it. Chris Chris just deals with a lot of my shit. Yeah. Heavy metal therapist. Awesome. Okay, so Harry, tell us what is your favourite ever state? In less than a minute. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's almost like a meme at this point. I'm just obsessed with steak and like perfecting it and cooking it. Um, the best single ever steak I ever cooked: ex dairy uh, Galician bone-in ribeye, which is nuts. It's like it's like a 15-year-old animal, so the fat all yellow. It's just had loads of time pasture. It's just ah, unctuous. It's had a great life. I, I've, got to, I've never heard of that steak in my entire life. It's, you have but to I'm, order it off the internet. I'm going to say, the only thing I recognise is ribeye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, rump! Rump! Um, but yeah, ribeye every time. I cooked a banging T-bone last night, like a one point something kilo T-bone. Oh, I have so. seen video of this thing and it looked absolutely amazing. And Harry managed to answer a question in less than a minute as well. Oh, so. that's, oh that's I can do it. I'm going to expand on it though. Is Tomahawk if you have one of those, or is that a T-bone? Is that the same thing? Tom Hawk's a ribeye where you've got a whole bone. Ah, okay. Cool as fuck. Yeah, I was just laughing cool. at the fact that Harry can finish in less than a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's what we've been working on a lot. All right, so you are... I was going to say known as a bit of an alcohol connoisseur, which makes him sound like a famous drunk, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Harry, Harry, what's your favourite cocktail? Um, Bella Louisiana. Okay. Oh, what's in that? Uh, it's so clunky. Um, <laughs> there's a New Orleans cocktail called a Vieux Carré, which is uh, cognac, uh, sweet vermouth, and... Uh, Rye whiskey, evil part. Mm. Um, Stir down with a couple of the bits. But in the 1800s, you couldn't get hold of cognac because all the grapes in France got attacked by this thing called Phillips era. So they swapped it out the cognac for something else and they made it to Della Louisiana. So it's from Louisiana, from New Orleans. Uh, but as soon as cognac became back on the market, everyone forgot that Louisiana existed. So it's like Benedictine, absinthe, rye whiskey, sweet vermouth and stirred down and it's boozy as hell and it's like that perfect Ooh. nightcap. The Dama Louisa, no one can make one because it's such an obscure drink. I've got to say sounds, yeah. Oh, that's, that's making me sound so basic. My favorite one's a zombie. Oh, no, I do, a zombie I do, I do enjoy a zombie, yeah. A yeah. zombie is delicious. If you can find something you can make a good zombie, Watermark in Leeds. Filippos makes a really good Yeah, okay. let's get that in yeah, the show notes. Sponsored by Watermark. <laughs> you like a bit of Watermark, don't you, Chris? We love a lot of bit of we love the vibe in there. Um, and yeah, to be fair, we went there after um, a, a client do. Uh, where oh, we all it was got after together. The, the Christmas social you guys Yeah, had. after the... Yeah. And they, they looked after us there, even though we came in close to um, closing time and, and they make some of the best cocktails in the world. They are the, some of the best cocktail makers yeah. in the world. Oh, okay. So that was absolutely incredible going down there. So thank you to those guys. Yeah. Now, we've been going at this for fucking ages and it's been <laughs> absolutely amazing. So first... I'd like to thank Harry on behalf of both me and Rianne. Yes, for coming. Thank you very much. It's, it's been tons of fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely loved it. So for anyone listening um, that might want to read more about the stuff that you do mm -hmm. um, or to work with you or anything like that, where could they go about finding you? Uh, probably this infamous blog, cssswizardry.com. <laughs> um, 
yeah, that's got basically everything on there. Um, mm-hmm. Social media, Twitter's my thing. Um, that's a thing in the tech industry. We use Twitter more than anything else. Is that CSS was a dream? Also, yes. That's a good thing about having such a shit name. It's available everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm CSS Wizardry on anything I ever want. Uh, are a lot of your talks on uh, YouTube and, and various places? Is there a place where you could find a lot of those? Uh, yeah, just be careful Googling the name Harry Roberts. I share the name with a serial killer from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, names, names are not a good thing for me. CS Wizardry, Harry Roberts is the name of a serial killer. Yeah. In Norway, Harry means chav. And uh, in British, Harry means to pest or annoy someone, which is probably appropriate. Yeah, indeed. Um, wow. But yeah, so uh, YouTube, I'd like, love to talk to on there if anyone wants to check any of that out. Yeah. Right, okay, cool. Awesome. I had one last question. Okay. Yeah, sure. um, in relation to what you do, if you could define within a sort of like a minute or so, what, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> what was, what's a prolific the prolific condition? <laughs> You know, sorry, yeah, sorry, I, I'm belonging in it now. <laughs> um, if, what sort of impact do you want to have in the industry that you have from what you've gone through so far? What would you feel good in your in your grave thinking, yeah, I, I, I had a the legacy, um, the legacy, yeah. I'm beginning to teaching. Um, I'm not. I open source everything I do. I don't charge for anything. Like yeah. so, um, nothing's proprietary. I, I, I invented some stuff a few years ago that I could have. Copyright or trademark or whatever it is or patented, and that probably would have made me a lot richer, but it also limited my opportunities. Yeah. So I think my my big thing, my impact is just uh, wow, I'm so lucky at being an educator. So whenever I work with clients, no, that's right. Um, yeah, I love that. My my job is to just make myself redundant. Really, I want to make sure that look, you know how to do it now. You should never, you don't, need, you should never need to ring pest control twice. Um, yeah. So that's my kind of thing. That's what I try and do. I'll try and just. Educate, that's such a righteous way of wording it. No, yeah. no, 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 it's, it's very important. Yeah. 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 Just teaching and making sure knowledge gets transferred and passed on. And yeah. Making it, making it available to all. One of the nice things about the web is everything's free by default. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but it seems to work. It's kind of a hippie vibe. I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, just keeping keep things free, making things available. So, yes. on that note, I think that's a great place to end. So, Harry Roberts, thank you very much. Yes, thank, thank you. you. That was fun. I like that.